0: if we're not careful, every single one of us will accumulate ourselves into a life where we feel pointless and meaningless, and that is so far from God's heart for you. So we are continuing in Ecclesiastes, and uh, if you missed last week's, Message where there was a little bit more of an introduction to the book uh, itself. Chapter one is on the SAR Fellowship podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, as a book, we said that Ecclesiastes is going to show us how pointless and futile and meaningless your life is when you live it for yourself. When you are the number one in your life, when you try and add meaning and definition and value to your own life, it's all going to fade away. We said that as a book, it's a book of pessimism literature. So uh, the first time you read it, it's going to sound quite negative. Um, It's going to show us the negative alternative to a life lived for the Lord. It shows us a very human, under the sun, fleshly, earthly, perspective so chapter one then last week if you missed it catch it on the podcast Uh, today we're going to walk through chapter two we're going to see what it says we're going to see what it means and we're going to see how it takes us to jesus today then solomon king in Israel, son of David, is going to begin to expand a bit on why certain things are pointless, useless, meaningless, and smoke. Last week, we said it was kind of the big picture. Hey, look, all of your life, today he's going to break it down, and he's going to start to go bit by bit. Let's be really, really clear from the start. Everything he talks about is not inherently sinful. These are not The Ten Commandments. These are not, avoid this or else. He is saying that as the master passion, as the main meaning for your life, these things just don't cut it. He's going to talk about pleasure. He's going to talk about possessions. He's going to talk about wisdom. And he's going to talk about work. So, pleasure. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he says, I'll try self-indulgent pleasure to see if it's worthwhile. But this is also futile. Partying, self-indulgent, frivolous enjoyment. He says it's folly. He says it, it accomplishes nothing. And you know, don't you? In those moments, at those parties, when you've just let go and cut loose, you can feel like a million dollars, like, like you're having the best time of your life. But then the next day, the morning after, it's a different story, isn't it? The party's gone. The people have gone. The pleasure's gone. You enjoyed it in the, in, the, in the there and the then, sure. But the next day, it's not there anymore. Solomon says, I considered, I thought really deeply about the effects of drinking lots of wine and behaving very foolishly and freely. He says, I've really thought about a life lived for the good times. He thought about this so that he could discover whether, this is, whether it's worth it or not, whether it gives meaning to our lives or not. All the while, he says, through this lens of, of, of God-given wisdom. He emphasizes, he really makes the point that he never lost control of his senses. This was a mental, cognitive thing. He, he really thought about this. If I live like that, What's it really going to be like? Do I need to do this again and again and again with more and more and more? He says, no, it's pointless. It's fruitless. It's meaningless. His conclusion is no different to last week. He's tested the theory that lots of people live under today, that meaning in your life is found in a vast and varied Accumulation of pleasures, experiences, entertainments, and excitements. So he says, pleasure, as the defining characteristic of your life, to add meaning to your life, as the master passion of your life, is folly and futile, and it's going to fade. So pleasure is out. What about possessions? Storing up treasures for ourselves here on earth. He makes this big summary statement in verse 4. He says, I increased my possessions. And then he lists some of the things. He tries to give his life meaning through the satisfaction and the rush and the thrill that comes through improving everything around you. And very, very simply, he's the, at the time, he's the richest and most powerful man in the world who'd ever lived. He spared no expense, denied himself nothing, In trying to find out if accumulating possessions was where you find meaning in life. Look down this list with me that starts in verse 4. Houses, vineyards, gardens, parks, trees, fruit trees, pools of water. To make sure his trees are nice and healthy. He says in verse 7, I purchased male and female slaves. Maybe your Bible says got, acquired had uh, male and female slaves, or servants, or maidens and attendants, we should pause here and explain what he is talking about. We should pause here and say that in this place, and at this time, where we read slaves, this does not have the abhorrent connotation that we read into it now. Because now in our world, in this place and in this time, and rightly so, we read of slavery and we are appalled, aren't we? Because people should never be for sale. People should never be sold. Nobody should ever be enslaved. So what's he talking about then? Uh, language changes over time and the, where we read slaves, when we generally read about slaves, In the Old Testament, it's not what we think of now. It can, it can, it does. It covers a lot of complex structures within the society of the day. But the term is so often misunderstood by contemporary Bible readers, you and me, because we overlay, we put our understanding of slavery now onto the words that we read In the Bible. Please don't misunderstand me here. I'm not defending what he is doing as a solid and good life choice. It is a terrible use of his money to accumulate staff and servants and maidens and people in his house who worked on his property with a varying degree of rights and responsibilities and privileges and powers. But please understand that what Solomon is talking about is not what you're thinking about. When we hear, I purchase slaves, linguistically with the language and the culture and the the society of the day, that is not what he is thinking about. What he's talking about is probably not what you are thinking of right now. If you do want to learn a little bit more about what he is talking about, the differences between then and now and some of the things we can do now to stop modern-day slavery, please do reach out to me. I'm very, very happy to send you some stuff uh, this week. So he says, look, I've got all these people. Look at the people that I've got doing all sorts of things in my house, on my land. And they've had children whilst in my service. So my household is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. He says he's, he's got more livestock than any, anybody who's gone before him, herds and flocks, silver, gold, treasures... Male and female singers. He has the sensual delights of uh, many, 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 many women and concubines, maybe your Bible says. Again, just because he did it, it's not an endorsement of it. He did this to see if it was worthwhile. He says he was so rich, so wealthy, he denied himself no pleasure. And very, very interestingly, if you look in verse 10, he says, the pursuit of this, the chase, the accumulation, his accomplishments in getting all these things, in growing his portfolio, let's say, gave him joy. This was my reward for all the efforts. But, then he says, in verse 11, on reflection, on really thinking about it, All these achievements and possessions are ultimately profitless like chasing the wind. There is nothing gained from them on the earth. There's no enduring, eternal, deep-rooted sense of meaning to his life when he is living for the earthly pleasure of accumulating and getting and growing his possessions. For example, I want you to think about now, see it in your mind's eye, your very, very first mobile phone, your first cell phone. Think about how excited you were when you got it, how satisfied you felt for a small period of time when you first got that first ever mobile phone, your first cell phone. And then think, do you still have it now? Would it even still work now? Probably not. Uh, here is a life-size picture of mine. Uh, my first ever mobile phone. Uh, bonus points for you if you know what make and model this was. But um, yeah, so there's mine. And what was I going to do with it? Who was I going to call? I was going to call my mum in the next room, but I felt like such a grown-up. I had a phone. That I was saving up for it, and I bought it. and I enjoyed it. But then when you've tried out all the different ringtones and you've played all the games and you've sent your dad a couple of texts, you slowly begin to realize, maybe not with the eloquence of Solomon here, that possessions are ultimately profitless. If you haven't realized that, if you have not accepted that yet, please do All these achievements and possessions are ultimately profitless, like chasing the wind. There is nothing gained from them on the earth. And let me be honest with you, and maybe you won't like this, but some of you have got too much stuff. Some of you have got too many possessions. I know you do because I have as well. It is so easy to accumulate stuff in our lives whether we try to do it like Solomon did to see if there's any meaning in it or whether it just happens. Some of us have got too far too much stuff throughout Lent, that period building up to Easter, I tried to remove things from my life that have got no discernible value in my life, that add no purpose. And you know what? I've still got too much stuff. You know, just think about your house and your life now. Clothes that you've not worn in months. Give them away. They don't need to be in your life. Your old phone sitting in a drawer. Do you need it anymore? Sell it, do something charitable with the money. Books you have got no intention of ever reading again. You've got a drawer in your house. I know you do because I do. You've got a drawer. You've got a cupboard full of random remote controls for nothing, cables that you keep just in case somebody with a Nokia 3210 comes around, or maybe you need to send a fax from your phone to your friends and family who don't even have a fax machine anymore. You keep this stuff. I keep this stuff. We keep this stuff, storing and hoarding things because having lots of stuff in your life makes you feel like a person of means, like it it makes us valuable because we've got lots of stuff, is just not all right. It's not all right. All these possessions and achievements ultimately profitless, Solomon says. And he accumulated to a degree that we will never ever accumulate. And he says, look, it's all profitless. There is nothing gained from it all. So pleasure is out. Possessions are out. What about wisdom as the main meaning giver in our lives? We're in verse 12. He says, I considered wisdom versus foolish behavior. And he says, yeah, wisdom's, wisdom's better than folly. Just like light is better than darkness. You can kind of see where you're going. But fools, they walk in darkness. And then he circles back around. He says, do you know what? The same fate, the same end, Is for both of them. They're both going to die. The wise man, like the fool, will not be remembered for very long because in the days to come, both will already have been forgotten. The wise man dies just like the fool. The benefits of wisdom, then, he says, are futile, like chasing the wind. You'll never get where you want to go if that's the master passion of your life. So wisdom is out, too, to bring deep lasting meaning to your life because the wise and the fool both die. What about work? Solomon's going to unpack in a bit more detail now why work and labor and human efforts in all different kind of circumstances are meaningless. And this is so important for us living and working in Bahrain, isn't it? Because many, 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 many people come here for work. They work hard. They earn their money, which Solomon is gonna talk about in a couple of chapters time. And work can be far more central to your life in Bahrain than it maybe would in other countries. And he says about work, he says uh, the, the more he thinks about it, the more I think about it, the more I accept that work and busyness, that's all gonna pass away too. And the more he thinks about this, the more he begins to despair. Look with me at verse 20. He says, so I began to despair about all the fruit of my labor for which I worked so hard on earth. The more he thinks about everything that he's worked for, all those hours and all that stress to accumulate stuff, possessions, pleasure, wisdom. He says, it's just not... Just not worth it. He says, "You work and you work and you work for what? All day long, your work produces pain and frustration, and then even at night, your mind cannot relax. How many of us have had a sleepless night unable to really switch off and sleep well and rest deeply, because you're thinking about something that happened at work. You're thinking about what you need to do tomorrow at work? Something somebody said that was incorrect, unkind, unnecessary, or rude at work. So what's his advice then? Well, let's read verses 24 to 26 together. He says, there is nothing better for people than to eat and drink and to find enjoyment in their work. I also perceive that this ability to find enjoyment comes from God. For no one can eat and drink or experience joy apart from him. For to the one who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner, he gives the task of amassing wealth only to give it to the one who pleases God. This task, the wicked, is futile like chasing the wind. He says there is nothing better to do than to control your attitude and enjoy what you're doing right now. Martin Luther wrote that it's the height of vanity and misery to cheat yourself of the use of present goods and to be vainly troubled with trying to get more in the future. Very, very simply, choose to enjoy what is in front of you right now. Choose to enjoy today and not stress about tomorrow. And Solomon says, no one can eat or drink or experience joy apart from God, without God, aside from God being in your life. So without God as the guide, your life is going to be one of accumulating much, but enjoying very, very little. Truly enjoying and truly finding joy that lasts beyond that initial period, just like my first phone Solomon says it's all pointless, it's profitless, it's meaningless, it's smoke. The big idea here, then, in Ecclesiastes 2 is that everything that we try to bring into our lives and accumulate to try and find meaning and add value to ourselves is eventually going to leave us feeling empty, meaningless, whether that's pleasure, possessions, wisdom. Or work. This idea of getting more and more to give our lives meaning, whatever that thing is for you, is not a new thing, is it? As Solomon has already said, there's nothing new under the sun, and we're all fallen and fallible as humans. We're all going to make the same mistakes again and again and again. So, where is the end of this cycle? Where is the break? From this cycle of getting more and getting more, and then we feel blue, so we get more, we chase more, we feel even more. Where is the break to this cycle? It's obviously not chasing more and accumulating more. Where is the exit to this very, very repetitive cycle? Well, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus teaches about this. After his resurrection, that we celebrated a couple of weeks ago, he charged his disciples to go make disciples, baptize everybody in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we often just pause there, we often leave it there, don't we? But he also said, teach people to obey everything that I have commanded you. So, what did Jesus command? About this, what should we be doing with regards to the accumulation of stuff in our lives, whether it's pleasure, possessions, wisdom, or work? So, Jesus teaches about this, Jesus taught about this. Uh, Context somebody comes up to Jesus and says, Look, uh, I want my share of the family inheritance, and how often is money? a dividing factor in families. Jesus says, look, it's not my place to sort out your family business, your family issues. And do you know what? Life is more important than the stuff you have. In Luke 12, 15, Jesus says, watch out and guard yourself from all types of greed because one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then to explain this, Jesus teaches a, a parable. He tells a story to make a point about a guy A rich guy who in the accumulation of stuff just continued to build bigger and bigger and bigger storage barns for his stuff. And he thought, his attitude was that he would have an easy life because he had everything that he could possibly want. And there's this guy who's living the life that Solomon had theorized and tested. And God's response to that rich man who accumulated lots of stuff that he's foolish because he died that very same day, and all those things did nothing for him. In Luke 12, then, Jesus validates Solomon's teaching on accumulating stuff, whatever the stuff may be. And then he goes on, Jesus goes on, and he says, Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Don't worry. There is more to life than food, there is more to the body than clothing. You are more than what you accumulate. You are more than your stuff, be that pleasure, possessions, wisdom, or work. You are more than what you accumulate in your life. Everything that Solomon has talked about and tried to accumulate, to try and find meaning in his life. It's the same things that we do Jesus says, "Look. Don't worry about that kind of stuff. You are more, you are so much more than what you accumulate. Your life, you as a person is worth so much more than things that you have or get or do or say. There is just value just in purely being alive as a person made in the image of God. Your life has intrinsic value and dignity and worth. It doesn't matter about all that other stuff. But Jesus is not done yet either. He talks about some birds as an example. He uses Solomon as an example. And then he says, don't be concerned with all the stuff that you can chase. All the nations of the world pursue these things. And your father knows that you need them instead So he's teeing us up here to do something. Instead, pursue his kingdom. And all these things will be given to you as well. Very, very simply, as a believer, you've got to get your priorities right. Above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness. And then all that stuff will be added to you as well. Now, if you're wondering, doubting, questioning, whether this is really true or not. Whether Jesus is just painting a picture of a, a you know a good life, a decent life, but actually, it's not how the world works anymore. If you're wondering, doubting, questioning whether by pursuing God and not possessions, you end up with more meaning in your life. Jesus is still not done. He says, Don't be afraid. Because your father, God, is pleased to give you the kingdom. maybe your Bible says here, your father chooses to give you the kingdom or God wants to give you these things. He says, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father is well pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide yourselves purses that do not wear out, a treasure in heaven that never decreases, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you think, wow, did he actually say that? I really, really hope that I misheard you. Please tell me that he didn't say that, but he did. He said, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide for yourself treasure in heaven, not a house full of stuff. He said that, didn't he? His point here is that if you have enough treasure on earth to be concerned with, things to be bothered about, thinking about, be worried about, then you will be. He says, Look, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, what you value the most, what you chase after the most, is where your heart is. Think. Remember, Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing for me to do? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor just like that. Love your neighbor just like yourself. Love the Lord your God with all of what? Your heart. When we accumulate pleasure, possessions, wisdom, and work, what are we filling up? Where our treasure is, there our heart is also, these two things are so opposed and your heart is a finite space. Your affections, your loyalties, your passions are finite. You cannot do both. There is one master passion and meaning bringing thing in your life. They're so opposite. They're so opposed. We're going to accumulate for ourselves under the sun on earth, pleasure, possessions, wisdom, work, or we can accumulate for ourselves treasure in heaven. If we're more concerned with, as Solomon tested and tried here, for our benefit, because we're reading it now, the accumulation of things, experiences, all that stuff that we talked about, then we will have too little left for God. Rather than accumulating and ending up in excess, Jesus is saying that God knows that you need taking care of. He has made you in His image and He will take care of you. And He said that where your treasure is, there your heart is. Too much accumulation and treasure on earth is too little heart for God too much of your heart filled with stuff getting too little heart for God and then the feelings that Solomon is describing here are going to fill your life. You're going to feel meaningless, pointless, empty. You will accumulate yourself into a life where you feel meaningless and you will do that to yourself. Please don't do that to yourself. What you're concerned with, will be where your heart is, and what's on your mind will take over your mind. And what we will do if we carry on down this path, if we try to define our lives by pleasure, possessions, wisdom, and work, we will actively work against The finished work of Jesus on the cross. His death and his resurrection. Because in dying and in rising from the grave. As Paul writes to the Romans. We have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And by accumulating pleasure, possessions, wisdom and work. We will build back Up those barriers that Jesus died to break down. He has died, He has risen, and through our faith in Him, we've got access to God. But by accumulating stuff, by chasing stuff in our lives, we'll fill our heart with it and we will build those barriers back up. Barriers that Jesus died to break down. He died to give you and me. Access to the grace of God. And we are piling stuff up between us and Him. So instead of doing that today, I'm urging you today, now, to choose to treasure God above everything else in your life. Who He is. What He's done for you. What He promises to do for you both now and into eternity. Then all these things are going to be added to you anyway. Wisdom, knowledge, joy, meaning, peace, life, abundant. Think then, think today about the pleasures and the possessions, the wisdom and the work that you are going after in your life. Is it all second to pursuing God and his kingdom and his righteousness? Or are you piling up stuff between you and the Lord? As Solomon did, really think deeply and consider your life, how you're living it, what Jesus taught and commanded about all of this. Because if we're not careful, every single one of us will accumulate ourselves into a life where we feel pointless and meaningless and that is so far from God's heart for you. We are known, loved, valued, forgiven and accepted by the maker of heaven and earth. That truth gives our life so much meaning. It gives our life And our hearts, so much peace. And as believers in the risen Lord Jesus, that is how we need to see things.